Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to see you. I've been away for the last couple of weeks. I was looking forward to being here. Thank you for uh, showing up. It's a lot of people. I did not expect that because I hate to preach to the pews. Uh, today, we continue our series around the table. This is a series where we examine um, Jesus spending time not only with his close friends, but also with sinners. It's a very interesting um, series, so I am going to continue to um, see it with you. Uh, Pastor Rob is away uh, this week again, and that affords me the opportunity to bring the message. Today's message is twofold, because we were supposed to talk about only Jesus sitting down, hanging out with sinners, but also I am going to take some time to look at the specific situation, a specific event where Jesus calls a tax collector. So before we get into uh, today's message, please allow me to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for who you are in our lives. Lord, we are so many here this morning. We left a lot behind to be here. Uh, some of us have Thanksgiving dinners uh, with friends and families, but we prioritize being with you, spending time with you here. If we are here, Lord, it means we are we are searching for something. We are looking for something. And I pray that through the songs, we have already songs, and also the, the message uh, you have prepared for us this morning is that we will find that thing we are looking for. Please be with us. May your Holy Spirit soften our hearts so that we can pay attention to what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus came to earth with a mission. His mission was God's mission. And that mission was to bring light to darkness, to relieve the captives, and to heal those who were sick, whether it was spiritually or physically. And most important of all, he came to reconcile humanity to God. But despite that mission, Unfortunately, uh, many, for many Jews, for instance, because he came to these people, Jesus did not meet the criteria of the Messiah that the Jews were looking for or were expected. So Luke 
in chapter 5 of his gospel, paint a clear picture of that opposition and that sad reality that Jesus came as Messiah, but he was rejected and misunderstood. Let us read in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to the 32nd. After this, so by after this, you realize that there was an event that preceded the event we are looking at this morning. I will try to bring you some context. Jesus was invited to a home to teach, as he always do, and some Pharisees and the doctors of the law, they knew that he was going to be there and they came to listen to him. And there were many other people uh, in the home. Many of them came to be healed by him. During this, the event while he was there teaching, there was a group of friends who brought a paralyzed man for Jesus to lay his hand on him for healing. Jesus saw the effort of the, of the group who brought their friend, the paralyzed man. He has mercy on the guy. And he looked at them and said, your sin are forgiven. And the Pharisees who were there, they got really disturbed that Jesus will, will speak blasphemy, they said. According to the Pharisees, only God has the power to forgive sin. And they were really disgusted that Jesus will say to the guy, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, knowing what they were murmuring, he said to them, what would have been the best thing to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? And he continued to lecture them. And, and then he said to the Pharisees that he came to earth with the power and authority to forgive sin. Then he looked at the guy who was laying on the mat. He said to him, let me read the verse. Um, hmm. I seem to, to make a mistake, is it? After this, Jesus went and saw, oh, actually, I was supposed to talk about the tax collector. 
So let me read the verse. So after this, I already explained what after this means, the context of it. And I'll continue to read verse 27. He went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. So, many of you who have been in church for for a long time, you have heard of tax collectors, but I will take a moment anyway to to explain who they were. Uh, tax collectors, collectors were employed by the Roman government um, to collect taxes. They were the most corrupt people in society at the time. Um, they were the most the most hated, ostracized, greedy social outcast. Because what happened, they were doing a job for the woman government first. They were taking taxes um, for the government, but what they did, they did their best to take extra so that they can pocket the extra. So people hated them for that. If you were to pay 6% of, of taxes, they will charge 8 in certain situations. They will charge 10, and then they will pocket the, 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 the extra amount. So people totally hated um, the tax collectors, and, and they were considered the outcast of society at the time. So in verse 29, we read that this guy that Jesus called to follow him, Levi, the tax collector, after he had chosen to leave, um, when Jesus called him to follow, to follow him, he left everything behind. So we have no idea. The Bible doesn't say anything, but we have no idea if Levi chose to leave because he was ostracized. We do not know, but he responded immediately to Jesus' call to follow him. So verse 29 says that Levi, Levi, left, and then sometime after, he called a great banquet for Jesus. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. There was a large crowd of tax collectors and other people sitting at the, at the table as well with them. If we read in between the line, we're going to see that this guy, this tax collector, this sinner that nobody wanted to have nothing to do with, Jesus called 
this guy to follow him. Jesus called him to be in his close circle. And he responded immediately to, to follow Jesus. But what we, there is something interesting happening in verse 29 is that Levi called a banquet for Jesus. So a banquet is not a little party like we will be doing over this weekend where we invite friends and family. A banquet is a large, like the verses, a large party with a lot of people, lots of food and, 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 and beverage and everything. So here, Jesus, not only calling Levi, this sinner, this tax collector that everybody hates, he called him to, to follow him. Not only to follow him, but calling Levi to be in his close circle. If we, we cannot, the Bible says, nobody is allowed to add or to diminish on what the Bible says. But if we read in between the line, we're going to see the calling, the planning of this banquet is probably twofold. First, Levi invited Jesus, calling that banquet for him in order to show gratitude for what Jesus has done for him. I am pretty sure, I can be mistaken, that Levi calling, invited Jesus over because his life has been transformed through his encounter with Jesus. That was his way to say thank you for what Jesus has done in his life. Because if you remember in the above verses that he was an outcast, the the most ostracized members of society. And the second reason for this banquet, I can only imagine that Levi invited his group of, of crooks, if I want to call it that, to be part of that banquet so that they have the opportunity, like himself, to meet Jesus, to hang out with Jesus so that they can experience what he himself had experienced through his encounter with Jesus. Verse 30 demonstrates something very interesting. In verse 30, the Pharisees, as we read earlier, there were a large group of Pharisees and other people who were present at the banquet. So when they saw Jesus sitting down with a bunch of sinners, a bunch of outcasts, they started to criticize. They said to the disciple, let me read it. 
the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to the disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So, I think anyone, any even unrealistic people will, will agree that the encounter of Jesus with Levi was worth it. But the Pharisees saw a problem with that because tax collectors were sinners. Jesus shouldn't have to have nothing to do with them. They were not impressed. They complained. But Jesus, who knew what was going on in their mind and heard them asking the question to the disciple, Jesus said in verse 31, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. So in this verse, we see that Jesus portrays himself as a spiritual doctor. He's a spiritual doctor who came to heal, to restore, to treat. But despite the knowledge of the, of the scribes, of the doctors of the Lord, despite their knowledge, but they were spiritually blind. They could not understand what Jesus was all about. But Jesus said to them, he did not come for the healthy, but he came for sinners who needed repentance. As we look and ponder on this passage, we see time and time again, whether it is in the Old Testament time, during Jesus' time, and also in the New Testament time, even well-versed people misunderstood the mission of God on this earth. Even those who were commissioned to do special assignment for God, sometimes they miss the point. If you remember Jonah, God commissioned him to go to Nineveh to do a special job to the people, to preach a message of repentance to, to those people. But instead of going, you know what Jonah did. We remember also the disciples that were with Jesus. For a moment, they were not with him. When they returned, they saw Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. They were so shocked that Jesus, a rabbi, a Jew will speak with, with a Samaritan. 
So we, we see that even those who were close to Jesus, those who were exposed to his teaching, those he was telling day after day why he was here, what he was up to, they missed, understood his mission. Jesus as mediator, as spiritual doctor came to the earth to rescue those who needed rescuing, actually, each and every one of us. He came to release those who were captive. I don't know if you, if you were considered a captive. If you remember a time you were bathing in sin, you needed Jesus. There are people, as we speak now, who are slaves of a bunch of situations. They would like to pull themselves out. They try everything. Some people will go to, to substances to pull themselves out of certain situations, but they, they cannot. In that party, in that banquet, we imagine not only there were those tax collectors, the collectors, excuse me, but there were a bunch of other people, maybe prostitutes and sex workers and, and, and adulterers and all those people. You can imagine Levi will never have any people of ethical values in his surrounding. So those, those people were people who were bathing in sin. But Jesus said that he came for those people. He didn't come for the, health, for the healthy, like the Pharisees who think they get everything together. But he said he came for those sinners who needed repentance, who know that they were in a situation they needed rescued. In Ephesians chapter 4, quickly, I am going to read that passage, 4, 24, and 25. And to close yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. It's 22 and 24, excuse me. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and diluted by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to close yourself 
with the new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what this verse is saying is that at some point, you and I, we were those people I mentioned earlier. Those people who were bathing in sin. You were not tax tax collectors, but you were something else. But Jesus came to rescue us, to remove us, to liberate us, to release us from the bondage of that sin. And in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, it says, because some of us accept the call, just like Levi accepted the call of Jesus, some of us accept it, and we are no longer who we used to be. We put away, we put off our old selves, and we are a new person in Christ. So now, having been redeemed, having been released from that bondage, Jesus entrusted us with the mission that God had entrusted him. And you remember what this mission was. The mission was to bring light into darkness. To call those who were lost in sin to come to the light. So, given that we ourselves now are redeemed people, he calls us to, to represent him and to carry on that mission. Do you, maybe I'll take a moment to ask you this question, I'm asking myself as well. Do you even know that Jesus entrusts us with a mission? I think it will be very important for us to to be convinced of, of that, that the mission that God had entrusted him to come on this earth, to be a light, to reach out to those who were ostracized, the outcasts, those no one had nothing to do with or have nothing to do with, he entrusted, he commissioned us with that mission to represent him while we are still here. It is important for us to know and to acknowledge that we are the bearer of that or that mission. Let, let, let's read the couple of verses in Matthew 28, um, 18 to 20. Twenty-eight, eighteen to 20 says this. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth had been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples in all, in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, after his mission on earth, he called the disciples for a last time, commissioning them with that mission that God had entrusted him. Saying in Matthew 28, 18-20, Go and make of all nations disciples and teach them. So this mission that Jesus, that was entrusted to Jesus, he entrusted to his closest disciples, and then you and I, and I are the bearer of that mission today. So we are to go out and share the goodness of God with all our surrounding and those we know who need a little bit of Jesus. In Romans chapter 10, 14, I am not going to read this one so that we move a little faster, is that in this passage, the Bible says there are a lot of people who have not heard the gospel yet. And for these people to put their faith in Jesus, somebody needs to tell them. If they have not heard, although we know Jesus has ways to reach out to his people, however he relies on us, he counts on us to reach out to those who are in bondage of their sin. So each and every one of us do know people who need Jesus. We walk with them. Actually, we interact with them, we dine with them, we go to school with them, we work with them, and we live close to them. So we have no justification and no excuses at all to not tell someone about Jesus. I am going to close with an illustration. There is no one size fit all when we talk about sharing the gospel with, with others. I remember a number of years ago, I went to, to a camp. It Camp Galilee, it called. Um, I went because I used to play, I think I am still playing, in the band here, the worship band. So there was going to be this men retreat in Camp Galilee, and they invited the band to go and play a few songs during the different session of the camp. And Trevor Cullen was our worship leader, and I went, Paul Black and Dave. And this one of the speakers, it's about 10 to 12 years ago, I cannot forget that one of the speakers was a pastor, 
a pastor musician. He played the bass in a band. The pastor goes with the band playing gigs in restaurant and nightclub. I'm going to repeat that. I don't think you hear me. The pastor, musician, goes to nightclubs and dancing restaurants and play gigs with his band. That was his testimony in encouraging those who were there at the retreat that any mean is okay. There is no one size fit all. That was his way. He was a pastor who was preaching the gospel. He has his church. But he said, you know, I have this talent. I am going to use it. Maybe I'm going to throw my hook at the nightclub. Maybe God will send someone. And after, not after, during the breaks, he look around and see if there is someone who's aloof or someone who seems to be lonely because sometimes people go to club to find community. And he will choose to go and sit with someone and then he will start talking with that person. And then through talking with these people, he let them know that he's a pastor. Some people will, it's not believable. Yes, he was a pastor and he will talk to them and sometimes he invite some of these people to come to his church. And then through that, some people came to Christ. Hmm. Some people came to Christ through the pastor playing gigs in restaurants and, and nightclub. I'm not telling you if you know how to play an instrument to go to nightclub and play, but I'm telling you there are all sorts of ways that we can tell someone about Christ. It's a duty, it's a responsibility, it's a mission we need to do it. So we see through uh, this passage how Jesus will go to the most unexpected places to meet with people. People, no one will sit with Jesus, sat down with them and have meals. The scribes, the Pharisees who did not understand, thought Jesus was not to sit down with this kind of people, but he knew what he was doing. He knows these people needed him more than anything. So we are called, we too, to find a way to share the gospel um, to others. I do not know, I am assuming there are still people in church, maybe who have the mindset of the of the Pharisees, people who probably believe that some people are too far to come to Christ. They are too deep in the ditch of sin. They cannot be rescued. 
Therefore, we will not even pay attention to to these people. Maybe we will tell the, this nice person who's closer to Christ, probably. But there is no such thing, people too deep to be rescued, too far away to be brought closer to Christ. I remember I was a youth pastor. I used to encourage the youth to invite their friends, you know, from high school to come to the group. And many of them invited their friends. We, we were flooded with, with, with young people who did not know Christ. They come to the group. Sometimes we go um, out and they, they come along and we seize the opportunity to tell them about God and so on and so forth. While we saw that as, as a success, but some parents at the time, they were so upset, they were so mad that we will bring unchurch youth to the group. Some parents concluded that it was because of the girls, the boys came, and then the girls came, you know, for the boys, the Christian boys. So we see the, the, the misunderstanding Sometimes we are called to do a job. Sometimes the people, they come into our doors. But we, we, we missed it. We missed the point. We missed the point. So we have tax collectors around us. We have those other people Levi invited to spend time with Jesus. We have those people around us. And maybe we are, some of us are those people. We need Jesus. They need Jesus. To close, I'm going to tell you a story, a personal story. Two weeks ago, I went to Alberta on a little vacation. And some people before before I left, some people who've been there told us a, a few things that my wife and I we could do, Lake Louise, and to go to Banff, and, and, and a bunch of other things, restaurants that we could eat at, and so on and so forth. And we did most of this, this thing, and I thank those people for their references. Um. While we were there, there was a friend who told my wife, you, if you go to Banff, you don't go to Lake Louise, or you don't take a gondola ride, you're going to miss out. And then we decided we bought our ticket to take a ride of a gondola. I think I have a slide for that. Uh, and... We got into the gondola. I thought it was a simple thing. You're going to go in it and then you're going to circle or whatever the gondola was going to do. I don't know. I got into one with my wife and then we saw that the thing is going up and up and up and I started to freak out. I, I said to my wife, why did you do this to me? She said, what did I do? I said, I didn't know it was going to be that high. And it's a mountain of like almost 7,500 feet. 
I said, oh my God. And I, like I was seeing death in front of me. I got so scared, I started praying. And at some point, my wife got scared too. And then she picked up her phone and she was texting our children, say, okay, bye-bye, I think we're dying. <laughs> and, or maybe she said, if you look in the safe, you're going to see this or that. I don't know what she told them. But me, I was praying because I, I was dying. It's, it, it's not possible. And it's you, up, 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 up. And at some point, I closed my eyes. I didn't want to see anything up. And then we made it to the mountaintop. And we sat down and we were to spend about three to four hours up there. We ate and then we had a bed view, whatever you call that, you know, to the city. And even airplane and helicopters that were passing by was below me where I was. I said, But what I was thinking, what if something happened? Because a few weeks prior to us riding these things, there was an outage. Some people spent 24 hours on, this, on, on that thing. They couldn't get down. Some people froze because it's so, it was snowing on the top of mountain, so cold. I was asking myself, what if that was it? And my wife and I, we ended up dead. What if we did not know Christ? Where, where would we spend eternity? And thankfully, I was not praying God, Jesus to come into my life, but I was praying because I was scared. <laughs> and thankfully, what if it was the last day? What if we were some layback Christians, which we are? We never did anything for Jesus. We never tell. We are just enjoying his, his blessing, his goodness, his saving grace. And we never tell anyone about his goodness. That would be a, a regrettable voyage. Eh? So you never know when will be the last day. You, none of us know when the last day will come. Therefore, we need to seize opportunities to do a little something, to not be comfortable, you know, coming to church, enjoying companionship of our fellow Christian and not doing anything. We need to do something. It might not be the pastor going to nightclub, but there is something we can do. It doesn't have to go with the Bible and hit people on the head. It there got to be a way. Maybe it's telling your own story, where you were and where you are today. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of his grace. What if it were the last day? And I'm asking this question to those of you, maybe who's sitting right here in front of me. 
and you are still on the fence. Maybe you have tried Jesus before, it did not work for you, and then you say it's not worth it. But I want to tell you, if you have tried him and you did not feel, you did not get anything, it's because you did not give your whole self away. Jesus can make a difference in your life. He can. He has done it in my life. He has done it in, in many people's lives here. So if he can do it to someone, he can do it to you too. He did it for Levi. He called Levi. His, name was, his life was transformed. So those of you who have already embraced that grace, Please do not sit down doing nothing. Our sister Ruth earlier talked about volunteering. At least don't sit in a corner, come and volunteer and your time, your talent to serve Jesus in that way. But also don't remember, if, if only you can invite someone to church, invite. Maybe that's the least you can do. And then the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Jesus came with a mission. And that mission was to release the captive. Those who were far, far away in, in their sins. But he came to give life, to restore life. And then many of us are a great witness of his saving grace, of his transformation, what he can do in people's lives. So if you are without Christ this morning, I, I, I want to pray with you. I know it's, it's difficult if I ask you to come now, it's going to be a very difficult decision for you to make. But if you want after the service, meet with me. We'll sit down in one of the offices. I'll, I'll talk to you about Jesus. It's very, very important because you do not know. If today is not your last day and you don't want to go and spend eternity elsewhere if it's not with Jesus. As we get ready, the band will come on the stage to, to sing our last song. I, I want to encourage you to, to ponder on the lyric of that song that Jesus is calling He's calling people. He continued to call. He came to rescue people and he continued to invest in this area. He continues to, to relieve people. He continued to rescue people. But he wants to use us to do that. If you are in, on the fence, you are just trying it out or you are questioning Jesus is calling you this morning. Do not, if you have a little voice saying, no, it's not worth it, don't do it. It's the devil playing game with you. Don't pay attention to that voice. Come, because Jesus is calling. So, if you are wondering if it's going to work, I am telling you, I'm a testimony, it's going to work. You need to come. But those of you who have already accepting his salvation, we need to get to work. As the band is, is ready to, 
to do this song, allow me to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your saving grace. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so that we can have life. Lord, sometime in our humanity, we, we misunderstand why you came. I pray that you speak clearly this morning, Lord, that you came for a specific mission and you entrust us with that mission. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for uh, the motivation. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to energize us, to encourage us, to give us boldness so that we can do this job. Because we don't want to meet with you. And never, never in our life tell someone about you. We don't want to do that, Lord. Give us what it takes to do this for you. Lord, I pray also for those who have not made that decision yet. I pray that your Holy Spirit will capture the, their attention so that they will make the decision to follow you because there is nothing better. You are calling. Open their ears so that they can hear in Jesus' name. Amen.